everyone. Welcome to Pigskin Pandemic featuring Kevin, Matt, and Ben. Just three of your everyday guys just giving their opinions on all the latest and upcoming NFL news. Things may get a little steamy or a little wild, but hey, it'll always be unscripted and real. Let's listen in and see what they have to say this week. Welcome to the Pigskin Pandemic. I'm your host, Kevin, and I have Ben and Matt with me again. And we are fresh off the playoffs from last weekend. And we are going to dive into what we saw during the playoffs. We're also going to look at some of the things that happened this past week in terms of firings. Because we had some uh we had some firings across uh both conferences go eagles we had well, that coaching we had uh we had Brian Schottenheimer fired from Seattle we had um Dougie P fired from Philadelphia we're going to talk about that of course hmm. and we'll talk we're going to also talk about next week's games uh or this week coming up uh, in the divisional round of the playoffs. So let's talk about these playoff games. I want to start off with the Rams and Seahawks. Oh, what a surprise. And what so a surprise. We, we, I think we all had Russell getting the win in that, and we all got that wrong, uh, so- especially when they had the quarterback situation they did. Um, and, and it's funny because I don't think Goff played really well enough that you would say if he plays that well, they, they can win the game. That defense just has turned into a an absolute beast. Yeah. Well, what is I it? Uh, like... Floyd and uh, <clears throat> Floyd's a monster. Um, I yep. felt like when you look at the Seahawks, like DK Metcalf really could. I mean, he had two tubs, but you know, I I don't see him being dominant because I I do know that um out of Russell Wilson's pass yards, he had 174, but he was 11 for 27. So that secondary really stepped up and really put the clamps down on Russ to the point where Brian Schottenheimer got fired. And he got fired because uh, the report is is that you know it's really it really goes one or two one of two ways. Either they get fired because the offense is just putrid, and you just have to fire him. And he you they usually get fired, you know, on Black Monday or philosophical differences, and you get let go at that point. Well, the philosophical differences is. Maybe they didn't run the ball enough. Um, you know, they did pass. It was in Russ We Trust. That's, that's yeah, but I they, guess that's what they wanted to do. They early on, you know? they really were disruptive of uh, DK Metcalf's raps. And you could see on the sideline that he was visibly like yep. annoyed. And then he also was getting into heated discussions with uh, Pete Carroll. And, you know, you say what you want about these guys being, you know, professionals or whatever. But I think no matter what, when you're playing for, you know, that extra bonus check or, you know, just the glory of making it to the, to the, 
um, to the NFC game or even the, uh, the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, emotions run high. And I think that that really took him off his game in some way, because you know, typically when you watch DK Metcalf play, I mean, that is, that, it is one athletic young man. Uh, he's, he's running all over that field and, and, and making that secondary pay. And they got chippy with him. And as soon as he couldn't run his routes or kind of like use the field he wanted, it, it completely threw him off. And I think that had a, uh, a real impact on the game, not to, you know, Aaron Donald and, uh, Floyd, not notwithstanding. This goes And it was definitely Jalen Ramsey was, was uh, more disruptive for him than he had been in previous games with him. I feel like they really kept Ramsey on him. Um, and I think that really is, you know, what did it. It's funny because at the beginning of the season, it almost seemed like Lockett was more the number one for that team. Kind of the offense flowed through Lockett. And, and I really think that somewhere around midway through the year, even a little earlier than that, um, you start to see defenses really start to be able to shut down that offense and, and, and figure out ways to make it difficult on Russ. Um, and it, it just – they never really got back on track. They, they, they've had games where their offenses looked outstanding. They've had games where their defenses looked pretty good. Uh, and then they've had games where just the opposite's the case. They've had games where their offense just doesn't show up at all. And Russell Wilson has to be a couple of hero ball moments to save the day. And that's happened. And they've had games where their defense has just looked terrible. And and this game was – th- that defense was just too much for that offense struggling. Um, and so I'm not surprised that they put it on Schottenheimer a little bit because it seemed like they didn't have a scheme – that could answer for that defense. Well, that, that you know, but, but here's, but here's, but here's the problem. All right. So when you look at Seattle and you look at them across the board at their skill positions, when you look at wide receiver, quarterback, running back, tight end, all right. Their running back is not anything to sneeze at. No, he's they've got, they've a, got, he's, a media stars pretty good, man. he's a media, he's a, he's, he's but good, he's but not, yeah. he's good. He's, he's a, not a guy where you go, oh, we need to really – nah, nah, nah. nah. He's not going to dominate a game or take over a game. Nah, no, he's, he's a violent not. running back to the point where he runs himself into injury. I just mean in the sense that, like, he runs so hard yeah. and kind of recklessly that he, ha- good, he has been off injured. But um, he is the best option He's, they he's have. good. He's, he's good. good. He's just not great. He's not a – the thing a, is, what you just said is very important. He's the best option that they have. And behind him Carlos isn't Hyde, too much behind Travis that. Homer. So that's at running back. At the skill positions, you have Lockett and Metcalf. But when you look at Metcalf, when he's, when he's dominating, there aren't too many cornerbacks in the league that can put hands on him to disrupt his routes. And when I went I – mean, He's a big physical fast receiver. I mean, that's, yeah, he's that's, a big boy, man. He's a, physical, he's a physical receiver. And that physicality allows him – to and his speed allows him to say, okay, I have you know, it allows the cornerback to say, all right, I need to be seven yards off the ball. Well, at that point, he can do whatever he wants to because there's nobody really jamming him up in his face. The thing that gets DK is he can't overcome put somebody physically like Jalen Ramsey putting hands on him. Well, I don't. I think it was also most, more like somebody running very tight coverage, and most most people can't, yeah. right? 
So Jalen Ramsey is a is an exceptional outside, talent. Outside, That's what I'm that, saying. he's top outside three, top of, five corner for sure. Yeah, and I, I don't. Say, I wouldn't. When put I say Metcalf no, no, but there. when I say that, when I say that, when you disrupt DK Metcalf, you're disrupting Russ. You're disrupting Lockett. You're disrupting the whole flow of the game because Schottenheimer doesn't do anything outside of the normal. Okay, we got to get the ball, to DK. We got to get the ball to Lockett. We got to. Okay, so if you can't get the ball to DK, how and the way that you're scheming it, how else can you get the ball to him? Do you put him in motion? Do you do speed? Do you do um, you know speed options? Do you do like get the ball in his hand so that he can be that physical, fast receiver? Because he just no, I don't look at him as a great route runner. But he can do more things than just fly up You're the field. But that is just so wrong at this point. He can fly. He can fly up the field, yes. But at the end of the day, if he can't do that, you have to put him in position to where he can. Putting him in the slot, putting him in motion, giving him little handoffs here and there, doing things so that he can just have his touches. And they didn't well, do that. Lock it. I'm, I'm not Lock even convinced it. No, that no, no, Ramsey no. couldn't respond it, to that. No. Is it his game? You don't know that because he hasn't been used in that in that way. Well, he's a middle of the pack but, receiver. I mean, he's athletic as hell, but, he, but he's truly a middle of the pack receiver. It's, not, it's nothing be, against him. He could be that yeah. way if put in that position because he has the skill set to do it. It's just that when he lines up against another cornerback, he's already physically. It's a physical and a and a and a speed mismatch. So you don't. I mean, I think we came out from that offense this year, and and why Schottenheimer's taking the the, the hit on it is they weren't a dynamic offense. Nope. They they were an offense that line up and do their thing better than you. You're right. And counted on the fact that Russell Wilson can usually do that thing better than you. Absolutely. But then when you have a team like the Rams that can come up there and can take you out of that scheme, you have to now do something else. And they just said, you know what? It's been Mm -hmm. working for all these games. We'll just be better than you this week. Yes, last time that they played, DK got taken out of the game. We really do think that, you know, Ramsey's going to be on him again. We'll see what happens. I think he just had a bad game. No, it's not. No, no. It's more to it than that. There's just certain people who's just a bad matchup, and Ramsey's a bad matchup for DK Metcalf. So you have to put him. There there has to be credit given to the Rams for that defensive scheme and that defense showing up in the playoffs as they are in a big, big way. Looking, think about it. But think about it this way: they didn't have to do anything different because Seattle didn't do anything different. They did nothing different. So if I beat you the first time. And you come back with the same game plan. I'm gonna beat you again. I'm gonna beat you over and over and over and over and over again. Because they, what did they do differently in that game? What did they do different? Nothing. They stuck with it. Nothing. And with the Rams nope. on defense, they're just such a bad matchup for Seattle's offense. You have to do something. You have to put some different plays in. Something different to say. Okay, I know you beat us the last time when we did our vanilla offense. We got to do something different, but that's just not what it is. He's just like his dad. His dad is the same way. His dad is that's the exact same way. On the Rams' offensive side, what do you what do you make of the fact that they went into the game with 
Wolford as the starter and then had to go to Goff and, you know, are, are not still – even though Goff came out with the win and, and played decent, you know, not, not certainly played fantastic or anything – but certainly played well enough that you would think that they would probably say, okay, we're going to keep it on golf because we don't even know the health of the other guy. But they still haven't said they've, – they've said if, if Wolford is healthy that he could start again. Right. And that's – I mean, that's, that's, that's the worst. shocking. Yeah, that's the worst quarterback draft class in like the last 30 years. Well, I mean, you're 100% right on that. Apparently the Rams have soured on golf, and it's showing – and, you know, golf got by because of the fact that when you look at the defense on Seattle, they did nothing different. And you can – on that defense, you can put up 30 points. On the, on the offensive side – What about in the offseason I mean, for uh, Kirk Cousins? Oof. For the Rams? I mean, for, I mean, you know what? Obviously knows them. You know what? Right? I'm not wrong on that time. Mike McGurn was there with him. I and, could, and I could see it. Right? I could see it. I could see it. I could see Kirk Cousins not getting a very uh, – an extremely large deal, but getting a decent deal. No, getting, getting a decent prove-it deal. He's already yep. made his team money, obviously. Yep. yep. Um, and going to and- L.A. with – and, and I'm right say, on the timing. I wouldn't say was, better. I wouldn't say a right? better. I wouldn't say a better team. But on on you know with Minnesota, they still have a dynamic offense. I mean, you can't. There's nobody on LA that's better than Dalvin Cook, and they do have two very good to great wide receivers in Minnesota. So you're not really falling off anywhere, but you're not upgrading anywhere either. But no, it's, it's a person it's that can see a lot better. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say it's about getting – and like I say, I'm right on the timing. Like McVay was there in Washington with yes. Kirk Cousins, right? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Yes, yes he was. That. Yes, he was. Yes, that just, just kind of something that popped in my head there. Because, I, yeah, I think I think this playoffs is proving, no matter how far they go, I think it's proving that Goff is, is probably not in their plans. Okay, so my next question is, who does Seattle sign as their offensive coordinator? Jason Garrett. Who looks good there? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that happening. Has, has, uh. has the Giants fired him yet? No. Okay, so that's just what you're thinking on your part. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just putting things out there. Okay. Maybe, maybe somebody in the organization that's, that's is listening. Fair. They're like, you know, Jason Garrett would be great. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. That's fair. That's fair. Well, I said, remember, when we did the Lake of Fire, I said it might be Pete Carroll's time because the team just looks so vanilla. It just looks so – you know what they're going to do every play. Mm-hmm. And it is in the coaching staff, but it's just the offensive and defensive coordinator. But, look, I mean, the offense is very vanilla. It's very plain. You know what they're going to do. The defense was very bad this year. I just think that their window was closing. Of getting, you know, they oh, had yeah. Richard Sherman and everybody on defense, and they lucked into these players and the and Marshawn Lynch. And they had stars across the board, and they won a Super Bowl for it. Look, their team was dominant. It really was for about four years. They were yeah. dominant. Nobody wanted to see I'll give you a for an offensive coordinator that that could show up there. 
at a, a Ken Dorsey. He's the quarterback's coach in Buffalo right now. He's being talked about for the OC position for Miami. Um, he's being talked about for a couple of different OC positions around. He's a former college quarterback, quarterback for the right? Hurricanes. Yeah, yeah former college quarterback for the Hurricanes. And he's, and he's credited in a lot of ways in a lot of the conversations of Buffalo with the maturation of Josh Allen. So you could see him kind of being an up-and-coming, you know, rising guy moving from being quarterback's coach to OC. I could see him stepping into a, an organization like Seattle that has a very – you know, established kind of hierarchy. Um, I could, I could see that, you know, being a possibility if not for the great Jason Garrett to take him off of Matt's hand. Do you think that his, do you think that Pete Carroll's more of his loosey goosey style is catching up with him? No. Offense? No, just in general. I don't. I know that the players love him. I don't really think that's a problem. I think think unlike Doug Peterson, uh, Pete Carroll is pretty well revered in his position, both in the front office and in the – Doug Peterson's loosey-goosey style was a different loosey-goosey style. Yeah, it was stupid. His was we won and we can do what we want style. Well, I mean, Pete Carroll's style has been that way since the beginning of time. Yeah, but the thing with Pete Carroll is that Pete Carroll has much better results yielded than Doug Peterson does. Yeah. Doug Peterson can't sniff. Pete in the playoffs every year, that team has has reinvented itself a couple times over. Now, with the struggles on defense, as that's kind of continued, I think if that happens again next year, I wouldn't be shocked to see Pete Carroll have to, you know, either. I don't think they'd actually fire him because I think he's kind of reached that. Almost. Yeah, he's got like two or three more years left before they get rid of him, barring something John, I think it would be more of a, hey, we're going to promote you to being a, you know, football consultant and, you know. Director of player personnel. I mean, he's also old. It's weird because, you know, people never think yeah. about people. He kind of looks young. He, don't look young actually young. Old. he looks like he's 75 years old. His face, his face has got <laughs> such deep craters in it, like they're Baja miles. Like, he's old. He's yeah. old. But yeah, so it wouldn't shock me. for another year or two if they if they uh, gracefully promoted him. Yeah, he's sixty nine uh, years old. You know, yeah, yeah, so I mean, in that, he's on the he's on the older side for head coaches, I, and especially in the this kind of moving more in a youth direction recently. I, so that's another reason why say like I could see the team wanting to bring in someone young like a Ken Dorsey that's very much on the come up and is young yeah. and has to grow with the organization you know maybe you strike gold and find that he's you know the next great thing and, and can maybe step in seamlessly you know to to you know fill Pete's shoes you know I could I could see but that they, but they had that opportunity when they got rid of their OC before and to get a younger guy that can ignite yeah, but that was type two, of... years ago. Pete wasn't going anywhere then, and he was coming off of, you know, huge playoff wins and Super Bowl runs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'll be curious to see what they do because that, that it's too good a quarterback. It's too good of a couple of offensive pieces, and I'd be surprised if they didn't upgrade the running back position in the offseason. They definitely got um, to do that. They absolutely got to you know, do that. It, It'll be very curious to see what they do at those uh, coordinator positions, but they got a bunch of they got a bunch of places where they have to where they have to get a little better. But uh, okay, that is moving on. Rams in Seattle. So talk to me about 
the Buccaneers in Washington. What did you? What, what is your takeaway in regards to the Redskins? Let me. Can I? Can I uh, throw down in here first? Or? Sure. Right, so I one. I want to say I, I think it's absolutely alarm or should be alarming to the Buccaneers that a team like the Redskins. I'm sorry, the Washington Football Team was able to play them so incredibly close. Um, it was a lot closer than it should have been, especially considering the high octane offense that they have over in Tampa Bay. Uh, I understand how terrifying the Washington defense is. I do. But on the other side of the football, you had Tyler Heineke or Taylor Heineke. Was it Tyler or Taylor? Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke. Taylor. Uh, so I have to be honest, though. It amazes me that, Was- that Washington is so inept at evaluating talent that the best quarterback on their team is the guy who just started in the first, you know, like uh, <clears throat> week one of the, play- of the playoffs. He looked very good. But the reality of it is, is Tampa is a much more balanced team. It, Tyler Heineke or Taylor Heineke, what I'm sorry, Heineke should never have been able to piece them up the way he did repeatedly. And it's not like missing the starting running back. He, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm 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 going di- I'm going to disagree on that one. Really? I mean it was a very close game the entire game. In fact like I am going to disagree on that one because the one thing that we've been talking about for the past few weeks about Tampa Bay isn't necessarily their offense but it's their overhyped defense. And the one thing about their overhyped defense is yeah, he they got to Taylor they got to him. They did blitz him a little bit, you know, when it came down to it in the fourth quarter when they really needed it. But I saw a lot of gambling. I saw a lot of missed tackles. I saw a lot of things that a young, overhyped defense does. And they have stars almost in every level of their of their defense. The problem is, is that they are gambling stars. And they were caught out of place plenty of times. And if you yeah, have a dude, good, a, a... if you have a decent, if you have a decent, competent offensive coordinator who can look at that on film and say, "Oh, these dudes keep coming out of place," it doesn't matter what quarterback that you have out there. If you're out of place, you're out of place. I and, think Matt's point is, and, yeah, I, that, and, it, and it, I would, that I think that it does matter I think what that, quarterback you have in place when the quarterback is Taylor Heineke who. You know, by now, part, now, all reasons, shouldn't have had a chance. Right, and that's all I'm at getting the, at. Well, now, the part, ball, of that, the part of that, now, see, for I tell you this: if it was Wade Phillips, he'd have been blitzing that dude all night. He'd have been running for his life. He was running long. for his life. He even scrambled because, for a touchdown. I think he had like almost fifty yards. Because <laughs> no, no, no. It was. It wasn't that they were blitzing him because they weren't. They were trying to sit back in the coverage. They weren't really blitzing. I know, him and like that, that didn't work out the whole. It time was either. that the offensive line was just so bad that they could kind of get home. Now, a lot of people didn't know that Taylor Heineke could run a little bit. Yeah, I mean, but he look, passed too. He nobody threw over knew them. Nobody knew. Yes, because again, again, the other part is this. The other part is is that. He hadn't taken one snap, I believe, all year long. And yeah, when you really don't, last week. right. And when you really don't play like that, yes, you can you can you can catch a team off guard when you get in a quarterback that has some type of talent, 
You can catch them off guard sometimes. Sometimes you can catch them off guard. It's just that for this, if it was any other team in in the playoffs, they may have, you know, they if they were playing Seattle, L.A., something like that, they probably could have beaten those teams because they really don't have, like, Seattle doesn't have a whole lot of weapons on offense. They have some. Dude, but you're going to tell but me that you don't think that Bruce Arians at, and Todd Bowles could have planned for a 27-year-old, hasn't taken a snap in a year, Taylor Heineke. Like, I think it speaks – Volumes. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, but it's not, it's more than that. You know, if you don't have any tape, if you don't have any game film, the only game film that you have is one, one game last year, one game the year before that, and the rest is college. You really don't have a whole lot to go on. So if you're coming in saying, okay, so we're going to do something completely different and they don't see that coming. Yeah. You can get a team. You can catch a team all on their heels. But I'll, I'll give you a completely what, different. My, I'll tell you why that game turned out the way that it did. Chase Young got injured and couldn't play at 100%. You could tell Chase Young could not push off and could not get himself going at the same That was another reason. Tempo yeah, and, had, and I, think reason. They, I think they would have. That was another reason. Same motor. Because Jonathan, because Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen could get up and they put took that pressure up front and they had Brady running for his life too. And if Chase Young was at 100%, it would have been a different game because yeah. they got – they lost by only eight points yeah. without Chase Young on the field. Had Chase Young been on the field and their defensive line yeah, would have been played the whole at 100%, game. it's a, to- it's a yeah. totally different game that we're looking I, at. I, we're I looking agree. at the, the Buccaneers be being different. one and done. That is very Which different is what now. We predicted, but, you know, it just – also, I did say – I predicted that if Alex Smith was playing now – I didn't realize that Taylor Heineke was a part of that equation because when I made that statement, the question was whether or not it was going to be Alex Smith or kids who hadn't been cut yet, I think. Uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I just think that that game exposed Tampa Bay a little bit to the fact they, they got beat by the, the, probably the worst team in the playoffs, maybe Chicago. Um. You know, with but with a much lesser saddled, you know, quarterback situation, uh, and they were missing other pieces too. Like I said, you know, this is also they didn't have Antonio Gibson, who was a very good running back who came on real strong for them this year, and you know they were missing him for that game. I think that that game is very different if you have Antonio Gibson in that game. So uh, you know, credit to Washington for for showing up and and making it interesting. Um, a couple more pieces, a couple more pieces, and Rob Rivera's doing going to be a, they're going to be they're going to be a they're going to be a major problem. A couple more pieces, and they're going to be a major problem. I think that Taylor can be their next guy in line. If Taylor can 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 build off of this game, I think that. You know they do have a they they do have a a wide receiver with a huge upside. They do have a decent running back. They now have a front four that's all young. They're growing together. I think a couple more pieces in the secondary because um, you know Ron Rivera is a really good person in terms of defensive scheming and stuff like that. I think that they have. They're, they're going to be the team on the rise and, you know, they can stop these high powered offenses. And, you know, I wasn't shocked 
that they were in the game the way that they were, no matter who was that quarterback. Because, like I said, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is very, very it there. They are overrated. I thought that they weren't. And then I sat back and I looked at them on TV and I went, yeah, these guys are really out of place. Let me back off a little bit because they're not what they were cracked up to be. Um, and it's going to be a lot different next year because they don't really think that Shaq Barrett is going to be, I think the Shaq, they were talking about Shaq Barrett not being there next year. So we'll see. It's going to be a different team. Yeah. Um, the offense will gel, but who knows? AB might not be there. Um, Chris Godwin may not be there. Gronkowski will be there, but he'll be a year older. He'll keep himself out of trouble for more than a year. That's like, I'll, I'll bet any amount of money on Who? that. Antonio Brown. Oh, Antonio yeah. Brown. I want you know, I mean, right yeah. now? He's, he's going to punch somebody right. or light something on fire. Or, or rub his uh, wiener on freezes right now, something. Poor woman. Right, right <laughs> now, he is – he is – Nobody knows. Nobody's hearing from about AB, which is a good thing because you know at some point you have to wake up and just go. Let me just play football, you know, and let me just do my job and just go home. But you know, can he do that longer than the little bitty games that he played this year? Can he do that? It's possible. Uh, yeah, We're not I, like, counting on it though. We're not I, counting I, on it. I'm not counting on yeah, it. I, I would bet uh, an amount of money towards that. You know, very easily. All right. Here's my next question. And I want you to give me the first word that comes to your mind when I say Cleveland Browns. Which one of us? Shocking. <laughs> I say, wow. That's my first. Yeah. My first thought was, wow. I'll tell you where I chalk it up to. I thought that on the broadcast, I think it was uh, Collinsworth who said it. He said, you know, to explain this, he said, it's almost like you're seeing 18 years of frustration and anger violently yeah. erupt on the field all at yeah. once. Oh, and, and honestly, that that's like it. I think all that stuff that was out there, I think you yeah. calling them great. Yeah, and, I, and, and honestly, and I think I think Juju. part of the whole like all the COVID stuff that happened, missing their head coach, all that stuff. I think it really galvanized them as a listen. No one's given us a chance. We're the Browns. We didn't have a chance anyway. We're, we're yep. a laughing stock. Nobody thinks we have a shot in this thing. They absolutely, I think, rallied around that. And good for them because, first of all, they came out and punched the bully in the mouth. And, and good for yep. them for that. Second, I think it's yep. better for the league when you get teams. As much as I hate the Bills, you know, know. You know the, the Browns, the Bills, those kind of things. I think it's always better for the league when you get those teams that kind of get there their moment in the sun and, and get to, you know, be relevant again. So uh, good for the Browns. I hope they can get their stuff together this week and, and get healthy and get, you know, COVID nonsense out of their system and, uh, and, and, you know, be able to show up and, and play for real next week. Although I don't give them too much of a shot. Uh, I have to disagree just because like, I know how momentum can be once you get into the playoffs, you know, um, uh, speaking as a Giants fan and Kevin, I know you're a Patriots fan. You obviously remember this. No, I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to sit here and tell you that that Giants team in 2007 was the better team. I, I don't think it was. It was just a hotter team at the time. They were all, like, everybody was, was coalescing at the right time. Like, they mollified around Eli. They, that, that, that team really did become um, complementary to, to each other in so many ways. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying 
that I think that the Browns are just going to run off and win the Super Bowl. But what I'm saying is you have to be able to see the comparisons there, or at least the similarities in the sense that this is a team that's finding uh, a lot of momentum behind Baker Mayfield. I don't care what anybody says, like him or hate him. Uh, when he has that team's buy-in, they're incredible. They are incredible on that, but with that football. Where there are times where he doesn't, he doesn't have that confidence. You see them suffer. But right now, they are hot, and they are throwing the like literal shit or well, figurative shit into everyone's faces. And they're loving it. They're, they're, they are taking the internet by storm. They're taking the rest of the league by storm. And there's not a damn thing that I think anyone can do, can do about it. I'm not predicting that they're going to go in there and beat the Chiefs, but I'm saying this isn't a game that I would touch if I was putting money on it. Oh, now, totally. We, we talk, but we talked about this. We talked about the Cleveland Browns and how they are a momentum team. And when you when they get the momentum, you know, there's nobody that can stop them on the field. But when that momentum fizzles out, they have a hard time just playing the game of football. They have to have momentum just to win football games, especially against the better teams. And this is why I say, you know, the Cleveland Browns win was a wow win. They showed you how old Ben Roethlisberger was and looked. Definitely. They showed you how bad the offense looked. Where, you know, Claypool's great. He's a he's he's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Juju, I don't see him going back to the number two role, so he'll probably bolt and try to be a number one somewhere. Which well, is he's going to get paid as number one somewhere, and I don't want any part of that. And he's it's going to be a mistake, but for sure, if somebody can scheme him to be that number one and to do what they need to do, most number twos that try to push up to be a number one don't succeed. Most of them. Can I ask most something? Of them I don't think he's going to be a bust. I don't, like, let me be clear. I don't think Juju's going to be a bust. I no, just think he's going to be like a, a lot of Pittsburgh wide receivers where they leave Pittsburgh as a, number one and become a very good number two. No, right. I mean, succeeding as a number one, I don't see him succeeding as a number one. Will he get it? Will he do his thing? Yeah, he'll do his thing because he's talented. He's a good, he's a yeah. good wide receiver. But yep. he's not for what he's going to get paid, he's definitely going to underwhelm for for, for his contract. I, I don't see yep. that happening with him. He may have one breakout season as a number one. One, I see him with one. It really depends. And on I don't where see he goes. him after that. It really truly right. Yeah, yeah, I, and, I don't, you know, and I don't see yeah, him. I, I don't see him going past that. Now, for the on on with Pittsburgh, those injuries on defense, it definitely showed up. Those injuries across the offensive line, they showed up too. That soft schedule that they had definitely showed up because they really yep. didn't play anybody this year. And so Cleveland just said, okay, I know what they're doing. I know how they're coming to us. And they just, I think after that first um, touchdown that they had, and I think it was off of a, off of a, uh, a turnover, at that point, yeah, the first touchdown they had was off the first play for the Steelers' offense with the missed snap. Right, and at that point, it, it just it, it 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 looked like Seattle and the Broncos, the Paint Manning that year, where Seattle just beat yeah. the brakes off of them. I do want to say one, and thing. I mean, I do want to say, I, 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 I don't, I don't know that I like. I, I 
it's it's hard to say. That I feel like the Steelers had a soft schedule because if you look if you look at it, they played eight other playoff like eight of their weeks were against other playoff teams, and injuries be damned or whatever. And Ben Roethlisberger being old, nobody was able to put them in their place early on. It wasn't until they started facing facing teams that had either played them twice or had a um, somewhat of a, of a formidable defense, which I think the Browns have a fairly decent defense. Um, I, I hate I I don't know maybe it's just me I think I think it's just a pet peeve of mine I hate to give it to like to take it away from them and then hand it to somebody because like oh the quarterback's old or whatever like sure Ben Roethlisberger's old but what did what did Ben Roethlisberger finish the season on was it thirteen and three Yeah, yeah right? when, you look at their, when you look at their team when you look at twelve their, and four right? or twelve and four rather when you, look, still eight when you look at their schedule when you look at their schedule right because they started off ten and zero right. Right, but they play the so Browns first. Twice. They play so the, they, their the first Ravens ten twice. games were their first ten games were the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, the Eagles, the Browns, the Titans, the Ravens, Cowboys, right, Bengals, yeah. Jags. All right. No, and I, I get so it. We like, all they, know. They, they, they we all a- know. Listen, we all know that the Ravens had a chokehold on that NFC North. So the Ravens and the Browns and the Bengals, they've had a chokehold on them for years and years and years. No matter what talent came in through there, they've always had a chokehold on them. But when you look at the rest of their schedule, they had the Titans. And that was the only real matchup that they yeah, had. I mean, it, it was really just the Titans was, and the Ravens. And then it was the, the Titans and the Ravens. Off of that you know, nonsense that happened with the COVID and whatnot. But when they, after that, after their first loss, right, when they, after they beat the Ravens the second time and they lost to the Redskins, they went ahead and lost to the Bills. Yep, that's right, the the Washington football team. They lost to the Bills pretty bad. The Bills destroyed them. Yep. The Bengals beat them shockingly. They shockingly beat them. Surprise, I remember. It was honestly very similar to this Brown team. That was the Colts. The Colts should have beat them, but the Colts always—they're just—they're just—they're always knocking on the doorstep, but they just can't turn it over. They can't flip it over. So you know, if they would have beat, because we picked the Colts, but they just can't—they can never turn that corner. So well, they could. I don't know the Colts. Necessarily, yeah. I was gonna say, I, I think what it is for me for the Colts more is it's about Philip Rivers. That Colts <laughs> team looks so much like the San Diego Chargers. It's yeah, not fun. right. Philip Rivers is right. Just not that guy, man. He's just the team. Just the team just that could never get quarterback. San, but he's just, the San Diego Chargers when they were San Diego, they just yep. could never turn the corner. They could get up there. Yep. They get the great regular season. Their dominant offense, defense, special teams. Then they get into the playoffs and they just can't turn the corner. Or they get into marquee matchups during the season and they can't turn the corner. And this is what the Colts are right now. They just can't turn the corner. And the 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 common denominator, unfortunately, is Philip Rivers. And he's <laughs> talked about, he's contemplating retiring as well and it's like he should he's got an yeah, army bro, of children who need their daddy it's just it's just time it's time <laughs> Dude, I, there's I, no team 
there's no team that you can go to where you say he puts them over the top. No, no I, I think his best. I think his best scenario, if not just retiring, because I, I I agree. I think that it's probably time. Um, but he doesn't seem like he's the guy that's totally ready to retire because he's always talked about like basically very similar to Brady and, and Manning as far as saying like he's going to play until he feels like he can't play at a high level any longer. I don't really think his play has dropped off that much. Again, like we're talking about, no, it's about where agree. it was the last it couple of years for the Chargers. It has not. It has The problem is it's not quite good enough. So I think what his best case scenario, and the question is would he be willing to do this, is stay with the Colts be their bridge to whatever future they have planned with a very good coaching staff. You know, whether it's drafting a quarterback, whether it's bringing in Wentz, ha ha ha, whether it's, you know, uh, whatever the, the options are, be yeah, that guy yeah. there to usher but in. The but is, you know, it has guy. to be a two way. It has to be a two way street. If it's the Colts true. are saying, if the Colts are saying we thought that he's that he, we thought that he's the dude. He's not that guy. We got to move on. It's not. It doesn't matter what Philip Rivers does. If Frank Wright and 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 the GM says, oh, I don't uh, think they're casting him. Out. I, I don't. I don't see them casting him out. There, there's too much connection there. He 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 was well liked in the organization this year. You know, there's no problems or anything like that. Um, so I think he's he's available. Like he would have to restructure his deal to stay there, and and you know well, be willing no to restructure. There's no restructuring. He was on a one-year deal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He would have to like he's not going to get the same kind of deal as what he got last year. He would have to be willing to say. Let's be honest. All he has to do is spend like 15 minutes at one of Jim Irsay's fabulous cocaine parties, and he'll be able to talk himself (laughs) right into that wallet. So, on to our next, our last topic of the night. Oh, the Philadelphia Eagles. We need horns for this one for Matt. That's what you get, you classless piece (laughs) of shit. So, <laughs> so we're before before we get into the Eagles, we're going to dip our toe into the Houston Texans uh, waters real quick because Deshaun Watson is very visible, is very upset at the. This is what the report is that he's upset at the Rightfully fact so. that they hired Nick Casario. And there were two or three other. They hired, They paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to hire this firm to pick their GM. One of their G. One of them was Lou Riddick, and the other one I can't remember the guy's name, but I think I mentioned it to y'all a couple of days ago. And they decided. Yeah, but there are a couple names and, on the list. And every name they had on the list, you know, supposedly Watson signed off on and, and gave his, you know, said, I think these are good choices. And then in spite of the fact that they spent this money and did this thing, they decided at the crazy, they. out of nowhere. It wasn't they. We're going to back up a little bit because it wasn't just Watson that was on board. Everybody in, everybody on the staff was on board. The owner was on board. Except for the owner at the last minute found out that Nick Casario was going around interviewing and he's been wanting Nick Casario for three years. I don't even think that's it. I honestly I don't buy that that was. I think it was and, and there's a lot of reports that are saying this and, and actually uh just uh Andre Johnson just came out uh and talked about this in an interview. Um, it, there's a guy on their staff who's from the Patriots, kind of the most ridiculous story I've ever heard in my life. 
um, you named Jack yes. Easterby. And, and basically, he's the one that has kind of behind the scenes mastermind, or if you want to use that term very loosely, um, you know, organized all the things that have happened since everything has gone badly for Houston. And for some reason, he still is in that organization and failing upwards in that organization. And there's a lot of reports that say that basically it was all him that pushed and made it happen that they got Casario. Because he's tight with Casario. And the owner owner ran with it. Yep. And that's that's why the, the team, not just Watson, there are other players that have anonymously spoken up and said that they're not happy with it. Former players, like like I say, Andre Johnson just did a, an interview where he said it. He said, every bad decision that has happened for the Houston Texans in the last five years has been a direct relationship to Jack Easterby. And yet somehow he keeps sticking around and like a bad penny just keeps turning up and somehow kind of keeps on managing to even do get, get more opportunity in the organization. Um, and, and a lot of people close to Houston think that it's ruinous for that organization and think that it, you know, first of all, just pissing off your franchise quarterback, <laughs> certainly not the way to start off uh, on a good term for Nick Casario or sucks. for that team in general. Plus we've talked about before, chances are he's going to have to move JJ Watt and, and that's going to be a hard thing for, for whoever it and is does, that's in charge and if he does, um, to be, to, and if he yeah, does, you're going to look at Deshaun Watson, and he's going to walk. He's just going to be like, I'm out. Now, the rumor out there was that he is um, the, 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 I guess the only team out there that he really wants to go to is Miami. He would, he would sign off on his no trade clause. Well, so it's not, it's not a serious He would deal. sign off on his no trade clause. Yeah, he's, he's got a no go trade to Miami, clause. Which, right. you know, you, which the reason why it's Miami, I'll, I'll say this. It's, it's not just because it's Miami because Miami is so great or anything like that. The reason why Miami's in the conversation is because I'm sure if they are actually having a conversation with Watson about waiving that no trade clause, part of it becomes, okay, what teams have the compensation to be able to make it worth our while as a team to move him? Um, and, and Miami is number one, obviously, irony being that part of those reasons they have that compensation is because they have them from Houston. Um, so if they did trade for Watson, they probably would be trading a lot of the same right. picks back to Houston um, that right. they got from them in the first place, which, you know, is fine. Because if you told me a year ago, I can trade Laramie Tunsil for Deshaun Watson, I would do that. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Honestly, I think all this is probably going to get blown over and, and, you know, be more of a thing that people point to as, look, this is where Deshaun Watson was never on board with this coach. This is where Deshaun Watson was never on board with this general manager. And that's why this thing is going downhill fast. Um, but I don't think the trade's going to actually well. happen. Uh, that said, ask it. Yes, if it does happen, would I want Miami to do it? A thousand times, yes. <laughs> but you... As much as you, as you, you, you unaccurately characterize me as being just purely a Tua lover earlier in the show, which is not accurate. Um, but uh, I would I would 100% as much as I like Tua, and, and I am absolutely behind 
giving to a chance. I'm not on board with getting rid of him because of struggles he had or anything like that. If you get an opportunity to get a franchise quarterback who's 25 years old, who's on a decent deal, who wants to play for you, and you can do it while still maintaining the rest of your draft capital and team. But you could, but you could do you that and draft do another There's quarterback no in, 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 in draft. That's true. And I don't think that any other quarterback coming out in the draft, I would say that's Deshaun Watson, that he's good enough to be but that. Not, not Deshaun, like Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is a quarterback. I don't know. Like, I, I still think Tua is an elite quarterback potential. Like, I, I think – there, there, there's nothing but upside for him, and he was working with a very suspect group of offensive players. Um, so you know, I, I, I the, the comparison is is ridiculous. Um, would it shock me if Tua became a star, even if you did trade him? No, it wouldn't shock me at all. So I'm not, I'm he, not saying to do this because I think Tua is bad and wants to trade. He wouldn't be a star. I'm he saying, <laughs> well. Who knows? I mean, if Nick is as great as you've talked him up to be all through the last 18 weeks of the show. Um, but I, I, I don't I, – the, the, the bottom line being, as a Dolphins fan, you just can't right. pass if up that kind go, of an if opportunity. you can get an upgrade uh, who's, a, who's a, an established star in the league, I don't care whether you're getting that rookie. I don't care how good your rookie yeah. is. He's not. He's not on. A, he's not on a, a contract if, year, so it's not that you're, you know, getting him for a one year rental and then you lose him a year later. No, he's he's under contract for I think four more years, three years for him, and one more year on an option. Um, he, he's he's got a good size deal because right. he just signed a new deal last year. But for the kind of elite player that he is, he's not. Uh, right. He wouldn't and break my your thing bank. Is if I had a Bud Dupree um, on my team, a fresh Bud Dupree, and I had an opportunity to get. A or, or if I had a rookie Bud Dupree and somebody was going to give me a Ray Lewis for Bud Dupree, I'm giving I'm getting rid of Bud Dupree no matter how much upside I had because I know that Ray Lewis is that yeah, established exactly. guy. Yes, and if again, you have a chance to go, if you have a chance to get any type of, if you have a chance to upgrade in that, like I'll give you, I'll give yes, you. The I'm going to go ahead and do it, hands down. I'm going to do it. I'll give, I'll give you the perfect example of where I would say it's not like apples to apples. Like if you said the same deal for some reason, like let's say Aaron Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay because he was mad about the whole love thing and hated the coaching staff and whatever, if that all happened as people you know made it out to be, would I trade the same value for Aaron Rodgers and get rid of Tua as part of that trade as I would for Watson? No. And I think Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback, and I think Aaron Rodgers is maybe the best Matt, quarterback I've ever seen. No, just because Aaron um, Rodgers is like 26 that? years old. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. right. And that's that's what I'm saying. So I'm I'm doing this deal specifically for Watson because you're getting a well, well, hold on 25. Now. Hold on now. Now hold on. Now. Hold, on. Now. hold on. Let's back up a little bit. All right. Now Aaron Rodgers is 36 years old. Right. But you're starting to see some of these quarterbacks that yeah they may have now look Tom Brady hasn't sustained but one major injury in his career. Okay, great. Drew Brees hasn't really sustained a whole lot of injury either. But you're starting to see these quarterbacks go to 38, yeah. 39, 40, 41, 40. You're starting to see that. And it's, okay, if Aaron Rodgers That's is 36, could I get five or six more years out of that and get maybe a couple more? The, the difference is I don't know what quality those those 36 to 40 right. years are going to be right. out of Aaron Rodgers where – 
Deshaun Watson is either at his prime or entering his prime right, right now. And that's, that's, what you, right. that's what I say. That's why you can't not make that trade. Now, again, I'm only making that trade if it means that you still keep the cupboard full. So, like, for example, Dolphins have two ones, two twos, a three. They've got that all in this year's draft. So if, if the trade was Tua plus those two ones plus a one in next year's draft plus the two twos in this year's draft, no, I'm not making that trade. Which is what the the original mm-hmm. conversation was supposedly the I'm not doing, uh, I'm not doing uh, that the for anybody. No, I don't care who you are. I'm not doing that for no, anybody. No, honestly, I'm not either. I'm not. I'm not. Ditka. I'm not. I'm not ever making that kind of a trade. Um, that's going to be that way. Um, but that's you know that's where uh, you know I, I I'm at with it. I think it's uh, it just doesn't make sense. You know that you can't pass up that opportunity. All right. So with, with the, uh, the recent departure of Doug Peterson, I think, uh, you know, it gives me a lot of reason to celebrate. Obviously there's no secret that I absolutely despise the Eagles and their uh, putrid fan base. Um, the, the vacancy is kind of a surprise because one, I, I'm not sure that any coach has been fired as quickly after winning a Super Bowl in all of NFL history. I mean, we might have to fact check that, but I'm pretty confident that there's never been a coach fired within. Got to be up there. Yeah, within within three years of winning a Super Bowl, losing his losing his job, and then the, the the beauty of it is, before he left, it was like scorched earth. He he created a quarterback controversy. He had dudes lunging at him in the locker room because of the way he threw the game at the end. He uh, he's absolutely departing though at the right time because that mess is not something that anyone's going to find desirable in all honesty if i and this you can say that i sound like somebody who just hates the eagles or whatever i fully admit i'm a, I'm a hater but i think in all all god damn microwave you might say that i'm a hater but i think in all reality the fact of the matter is no one's going to want this mess. You're talking about an offensive line that's in shambles. You're talking about a secondary that's awful. The linebackers are nobodies. The wide receiving core needs fixing. Miles Sanders is a, you know, he's a fringe starting back. And then you have the quarterback situation and, Jesus, uh, 60, 60 to $70 million in salary cap issues. What coach wants to come in there and inherit that? and have to base his head coaching career on making that successful. Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. And I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> I don't. I'm just, I think it's hilarious. People are saying that's going to happen. Yeah. But I couldn't agree more. They are, they are in the worst situation. And then I like Sal Palantonio, but I thought it was hilarious when the coverage when they were talking about him getting fired, that Sal Pal was like, you got to understand this is a really enviable job. I was like, What? But you got to remember why he said that. You know, Sal is from Philly. He's a Philly fan. I get it. For it but I'm saying he's still usually a, a decent journalist. Nah, nah, and when it comes to Philly. Nah, he I've also so heard he's biased when it person. comes to Philly. He, he, he is <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. A, he's a Philly homer all the way. I, know somebody, uh, I truly know somebody who ran into him. And... Uh, and this is somebody who like ran their own website for a while. Like we used to get press passes to Flyers games um, to the point mm-hmm. where to the point where I used to have the password when I'd go to Sixers games. I used to have the password to their uh, per, the private Wi-Fi so that I could connect when I was in there. Nice. Um, yeah, well, he ran into him, and you know, just considering himself like a budding journalist or whatever, 
he said, you know, he was there with his family. He said something like, Hey, uh, Mr. Palantoni, I just want to tell you, like, I really appreciate what you do. Before he could even finish, like, his greeting, he exploded on him, started cursing at him. Acute, How dare you fucking come up to me when I'm out with my family, you piece of shit? Like, dude, over wow. the t- dude, to the point where he said that he just turned around and walked out of the store. He was so, like, embarrassed because, like, he didn't know what to do. He said he was so caught off guard. And, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, this is not somebody that I would, I would, I would think is just making shit up for the sense of making shit up. And he's an Eagles fan, so no, I get you. You know, you know like I stuff take like his that stories with a grain of salt. Yeah, no, that, that stuff like that would never surprise me if that could happen. It just when he said that, I just thought, like, as a journalist reporting on national TV, like that, you you just lose all credibility when you say something that ridiculous. Yeah, and it's I funny mean, because the, like, the, other, the other portion of that conversation they were talking about is he's attached. Pedersen's attached. To, to the Jets possibly, and they were saying, you know, how much better of a situation the is Jets it that he's going are, right? It honestly might be such a good move. Like, if you really think about it, if you give Doug any credit for what he actually was able to accomplish, if he actually does move to the Jets, it could be a great move because he does have a young quarterback that maybe he can groom up. You know, if you give him any credit for what he was able to get out of uh, Carson Wentz at the beginning. Yeah. And and they've got cap room. They've got some decent pieces to build around on offense, and and they've got a high draft pick that you know is is either you know you can use on a franchise quarterback, you can use on a, a game changing defender, you can trade back and get you know massive value. You know, th- there's a lot of different options they have. Um, so it would be a very interesting landing spot. I, I, and it's, at the same time, I don't think much of him as a coach after seeing what he did in this dumpster fire. Um, of, of the last two years for the Eagles. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of hoping he goes to the Jets because I, I'm not scared of what he brings to the table as a coach. Um, but it's, it's really amazing because I think you are right, Matt. It, it is, you know, I don't know the numbers and I'm sure there's probably some other examples of it, but it's, it's really hard to recall another Super Bowl winning coach and especially a Super Bowl winning coach for a team like that, starving, which as we've talked starving, about so many right? times, the only championship they've ever won. Not yeah. like he like the best one they've had in a while. The only one. Like that is crazy. And yet I have no sympathy. I have no sympathy either because honestly, he deserved it for everything that he did this year. The the more amazing part to me, and I know you can talk about this as well, is I'm shocked they're keeping Howie as well because why wouldn't you if you're gonna tear him out, why wouldn't you just tear the whole thing down with the exception of the fact of you've heard the other rumor of what the, the move is they might go with, right? No. Do Staley bringing him up from within. I heard that, but I think that uh, the, it's, it was really like, not to like sound like conspiratorial, but I think the way that Jeffrey Laurie kind of brought it up unprompted was more of an effort to like, let everyone know he was going to satisfy the Rooney rule. I think do Staley's deserving. And in all fairness, um, I, if it were me, I would rather have, him in a coordinator role a little bit longer than, uh, sure. you know, like just not that he's even better one, but I know he turned down a, an OC role to um, stick with the Eagles and they gave him a pay raise. Um, I would just like to see him in an OC or a DC position for a year or two before I give him the head coach. However, I'm currently a fan of a team that brought on a, spe- you know, a, uh, a special teams coach, essentially, uh, to a head coaching job. And I couldn't be more satisfied with the job he's done. So maybe Deuce is the guy. But I just didn't like the way that Jeffrey Lurie did it. It felt slimy to me. And I feel like there's – like as much as I hate Doug Peterson, 
Um, I think that there's a lot that he's not saying about the way that that, that last game went and, and what's happened because I think, uh, I think Doug's a convenient fall guy right now. I, I truly, you know what I think happened? I'm just going to share like my little, uh, you know, um, opinion about like what I think was going on. I think the Eagles did try to move Carson Wentz with the intention of keeping Doug Peterson. And I think that the terms were so disagreeable to the Eagles that it made more sense with them to cut a coach who they could easily hire somebody else, get a equally terrible season and be able to move on. And then just this way, if they do move on from Carson Wentz in a season or two, they could say, well, you know, like the new coach gave it a shot and he decided that like, you know, like whatever it it gives them all kinds of a play. So like Doug Doug just became like a, a collateral collateral damage, you know? Like kind of the same thing like McAdoo did with, with Eli. He became the fall guy of like, this is why, you know, like we'll, we'll put it on him that he's the one that made the decision on Eli. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see that. And and honestly, in that sense, it would actually make a lot of sense. They might stay in house and, you know, promote up, you know, someone like Deuce, you know, to, to, well, we gave him a shot and we, you know, thought he had a lot of promise and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and again, would anything be more Eagles like than everything, you know, we've talked about all year long on, on the podcast here that, that, you know, for, for, nothing to make sense for what they do and, and to put overwhelming faith in something internally that, that has no business because no one else is clamoring for Deuce to become a head coach. Nope. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely not. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, so it just seems like would, would, would that be such an Eagles type move just to, you know, keep it in house and, and, Oh, he, you know, was part of that, that great, you know, dynasty and all that kind of nonsense. It is such an Eagles move and I hope they make it cause they're, <laughs> They're so deserving. I, I just think that you know, it was time for Doug. It was just time. He he didn't get the respect as a head coach because he did make his own decisions from the door. He had a lot of strong, stronger people. Like when he became when he came in as a coach, people didn't think that he could coach to begin with. So they put a lot of strong people around them that could kind of steer them in the right direction and everything was, you know, in sync. Yeah, but that's not really accurate. They weren't they weren't strong people when they were put around him. It's not like Frank Reich was a household name. It's not like, you know, uh Filippo was a sought after name. Like those became names because of what they did with no, the Reich, Eagles. Staff. Reich was still Reich was on the Reich was on the map for a little bit after he left after he left, um, you know, after he retired from the Bills and everything like that, he still stuck around and was a you know quarterbacks coach and things like that. He went up the ranks. I mean, he was he was a he was a guy around the league, but I mean, he wasn't looked at as being like, oh, that's the next head no, coach. This he is strong definitely was not. I agree with that. I'm just saying, like, I it's agree not with that. Patterson, like they surrounded him with, you know, really established high-end coordinators and you know that kind of thing it's not but it's not really but i don't think it's more i don't think it's more so that portion that got him where he was i think it was the and i and i and i hate to say it this way because i think from where he doug came from you know andy Reid is one of the most meticulous you know organized coaches in the National Football League. Oh, he definitely got the job because of Andy. There's no question about but that. But I feel like but what I'm saying, he had – What you got to give credit to him. Go ahead. Is, is You got to give him credit that, like, for – and this is where it doesn't make sense to move on from him now. 
and this is where it's, it's a terrible decision, is that if nothing else, winning that Super Bowl, the way that he won it, losing his starting quarterback that was the high draft pick, making a trade mid, midway through the year to get a running back in that, that could get you over the hump, you know, being a team that nobody gave a chance to and that, that just was that team of kind of destiny that kept on finding a way to win games with defense and special teams and making the play when they needed to and, you know, all those kind of things. Like, that was an impressive year of coaching. And, and I understand it was only one year, and I, not that I'm saying that a coach should be able to live on one year, but let me – like, he won't be unemployed long at all. He is going to be a head coach in the league next year if he wants to be, and I believe that he probably does. So, I mean, like, like I would bet any amount of money that he will be on a team next year as a head coach unless he decides, I want to take a year away and just do, you know, analyst stuff or whatever. Like, he's, he's, he's not looked at as being a bad coach. He's looked at as being a coach that a bad season. And you know what else? Honestly, this of all bad seasons, season? I, would coach, I would give a coach a pass for this season – more so than any other season because it was such a hard season for for all the different but, reasons for all the covid somebody all the had to take the fall it always happens right first no one did have to take the fall oh, for the season man. that could have taken the fall for the season look, that absolutely could have you, taken the fall for the season you look that, at going down the road two let's go two years from now three years from now right mm-hmm. We don't see this team getting any better. Is I don't agree with I that. I don't see it. I agree with that. I don't see it. If because they don't this team has shown me enough at times of being a good team and being well run and being a, a, a decent evaluator of talent that that I believe not that they would necessarily turn into a Super Bowl team again, but that they could be competitive again very quickly. I don't see it. Now they have a horrible cap situation. There's no question right. of that. They have a horrible cap situation right. and they have they have some some bad issues to right. follow. But that that doesn't mean that it's not something that could be solved. And again, it doesn't mean that that's like getting rid of Doug Peterson doesn't make that easier to right. solve. But again, it just makes you but you know problem how the NFL solve. works. You know how sports teams work. When they have a bad season, yeah, usually a Super Bowl win. when they Usually a Super Bowl win bonds you that. Yes, but when you have a season like the Eagles had, when they were picked to, to win the playoffs or win the division, I should say, not the playoffs, but win the division. Again, I'll, I'll give a total pass for this year for basically any team, any coaching staff. This was a bad year to have to deal with all of the things. And, and I think that the Eagles should have let him have another year, maybe under a very short leash. What's funny is, and it's, it's too bad we lost Matt here because he made a fantastic point uh, offline when we were talking um, about this issue when it, on the day that it happened. What's the really interesting story to come out is that supposedly the quote that you know is from people in the know is that Peterson said he didn't want to be – I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly what it was. But basically, he didn't want to be told what to right. do and that's basically he was fired is because well, like he was the, the, nar- the narrative of that was okay so before um before or during their super bowl run 
when it was Philip Di Filippo and it was Reich, they were all in lockstep. You know, Doug Peterson said, "This is what we're going to do." They gave him suggestions. Oh, Matt just said, "Invite back." Carson Wentz did his thing, and you know, it was easy to do. All right? They were in lockstep. They were. The coaching staff was a great coaching staff at that time. Um, so at that point, when they left, because now they want to go on to other endeavors, you now have a coaching staff that's now kind of – they're pieces from other places. And I don't think that he made those hires. I really don't think they did. And what happened was the noise coming out, because this is what Aaron was telling us, the noise that was coming out of Philly was that there were too many, there were too many voices talking and telling Doug Peterson what to do, and he was taking everybody's advice, as opposed to saying, shut up, this is my team, I'm going to do what I want. He was taking advice from everybody. Deuce was in his ear. The quarterback's coach was in his ear. Again, that's, that's Everybody was in his ear. So that's where, when it came out that, and I didn't believe him. I didn't believe Aaron. I was just like, no, Aaron, look, this team is a, it's a bad football team. No, I mean, team. I, I heard that from enough places. But I believe that to it be the case. It's a bad football team. Uh, you just need to, you just need to suck that up. It's a bad football team and just going about your business. But when he said, he quoted saying, I got tired of people telling me what to do. It signified he got tired of all these people telling him what how to run the team. And I think a I think a mm-hmm. lot of the power that he had when they were at the height of their because you know once you when you when you win a Super Bowl or you get to the playoffs or you get you find success in a team, oh you're going to be able to do what you want. The second you start losing or the second you start you know, looking bad or the team looks bad, they're going to bring other people in to, to start helping you out. I want to thank everyone for joining us on the Pigskin Pandemic Podcast. We are available now on Anchor, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you usually find your favorite podcasts. Please tell your friends, leave us any comments you have about the show, and a five-star rating would be great. You can also find us now on our Facebook page, I want to thank you all for listening and remember, please wear a mask and stay safe out there.